I don't know what you need tonight. I know I need him. And uh, he's been stirring my heart for the last couple weeks about the timing. And uh, it's time. I'm thankful to be here. Um, Can we just, right where you're at, just praise him? I just feel like we need to give ourselves to him. Lord, we wait on you. We're not here just to fill a seat. But we're here, Father, to receive from you, to receive from your word. Father, let us yield tonight to your spirit. We know you're in this place. We know you are here. You're here to break chains. You're here to set the captive free. Lord, I pray that you would anoint our ears to hear, our spirit to receive of the word of God the engrafted word of God. Let us yield to the ministry of your spirit, Father. According to your word, let it be so in every life, Father. Let me not just come to entertain one another, but let me show up to entertain the King of Kings, I pray. We wait on you. We wait on you, Father. You're worthy. You're worthy, Father. It is time. Uh, It is time for us to awake. Uh, It is time for us to go forward uh, in the name of Jesus. I pray according to your word in the name of Jesus. We trust you. We trust you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. uh, Father, we trust you. We trust your word. uh, We trust your word in the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bear with me. I know you see something up here, but, you know, you get a little nervous sometimes. And uh, a couple weeks ago, Sam was doing a class project, and it was one of those shoe boxes with the volcano and all that stuff. And he was just telling me how excited he was to go and share that with his classmates. And he was ready to teach and speak and everything about the volcanoes and I'm like, man, Lord, give me faith like Sam. When I go up and teach, man, I just want to be up there and say the word and say how it is. And there was no fear in him at all to go forward and show what he had to present to his class. And, uh, yeah, I'm always amazed. Childlike faith is, is amazing. Amen. We're going to jump into the book of 1 Corinthians um, chapter 2. And I pray that this ministers to you as it has to me um, last couple of weeks. I've been really stirred. Um, you know, we've talked about, we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks of the timing and where we're at in this in this walk with God. And uh, it's important that we're all in, you know. Um, I can speak of myself. Sometimes I come to church, but I'm not fully committed, you know. And I know what I need. I know what you need. And I know I need to be committed, you know, and that's... Uh, that's hard to grasp sometimes, you know, it's commitment is, is tough. You know, a lot of my coworkers, um, you know, they're, they're together and they have kids with their significant other. And I always talk to them about, you know, they ask me about marriage and how long I've been married and, you know, and uh, they've been together, you know, 10, 15 years, some of them, and uh, they're not married, you know. And I, I get to talking with them, and if I have the opportunity, I tell them, you know, marriage is important, and I tell them all the blessings of marriage. And they always tell me the same thing. Yeah, it's a commitment, though. 
the big, um, you already have two kids. I mean, what, what else is there, right? But it's, it's a commitment, and it's, it's a different. It's different. And so they, they don't understand that, but when I'm given the opportunity to minister to them, I, I do, and I, and I share with them what the Lord's put in my heart to share. Um, so First Corinthians chapter 2, and then um, where, where are we at here? Uh, verse, chapter 2, verse 1. Um, and this came to me as I was in study last night. We had a Bible study last night, and um, the Lord has just been dealing with me um, of the simplicity of the gospel. Yeah. You know, we've been talking about that. We had, you know, we had our meeting into the harvest, and we're talking about Bible studies and going forth and teaching, and sometimes we complicate things. You know, we make it difficult, and uh, it's really not. How many of us remember our first Bible study? <laughs> right? It, it was simple. At least to me it was, and my invitation was, hey, you want to come to Bible study? And I'm sure, and that was it. It wasn't hard. They didn't have to come and preach to me two, three hours. It was just an invitation. Um, and I do have the, I can't see that far, but <laughs> the New International Version. Um, I forgot my other one at home, but so we're just going to start at verse 1. Um, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come to you with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it. That sums it up right there. I don't know anything except him. So when I come into communion with somebody and they expect me to explain the gospel, I don't know anything but him. You know, and it's the moment that we start, you know, if I can say adding things to the word, right, trying to make it fancy, trying to make it fit, and trying to do all these things where we get in trouble, and we lose people, and so the simplicity of the gospel is just to come and teach, and all I know is Jesus Christ, okay, he died for us, he rose again, and so um, we'll continue reading here, um, and him crucified, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit and the power, so that your faith might not be rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And, you know, as I was, we were sitting at Bible study, and I was, you know, the Lord was dealing with me on this, and, you know, we were just simply sharing the word, and I think we were talking about, into his marvelous light, we were sharing that, and we were going through those things, and we're, you know, I, I've been in church a couple of years, you know, and I'm there sharing, you know, with the people there, and um, in my thinking, I'm like, man, this is so simple, you know, and and I realized that, that I wasn't complicating it, but afterwards, we had an amazing conversation, people were receiving, and it wasn't because I complicated it, but it's because I just shared the word, simply the word, and um, he's just, last couple of weeks, he's really been dealing with me about the timing, you know, um, People need to hear the word, and the moment we complicate things, we start losing people, and it's important that we just share the scriptures. We simply open the word, and um, he brought, you know, the book of Exodus to my mind when um, it's so easy to disqualify ourselves. <laughs> it really is, right? I, well, I don't know the scriptures. You know, I don't have them memorized, and no one's going to judge you on if you have them memorized or not. But it's simply if you can take them in the scriptures, show them in the book, where it's at, what it says, and explain it to them. 
And so I was reading the book of um, Exodus chapter 2 when Moses comes to the Lord and he tells him, you know, Lord, I don't even know what to say. And, you know, before that, the Lord has showed Moses all these signs and wonders, right? Throw the staff down, it turned to a snake and, you know, the blood, the, the water turned to blood and all this stuff. And even after all that, Moses is like, well, Lord, really me? I don't know what to say. You know, and the Lord said, I'm going to give you Aaron as your spokesperson, right? I'm going to tell you what to say and you're going to tell Aaron and Aaron's going to go forth and, you know, tell the people. It's so easy to make excuses and disqualify ourselves from the things of God. And I always tell Vanessa this, my wife, and I always tell her, I, I, I'm at the point when I don't care what people think. I'm just going to say the word how it is, and I'm going to share the word how it is. Um, and the moment that I start disqualifying myself, it's, it's dangerous, you know. People need to hear the word. And so um, I was at I was at work uh, yesterday. Um, we're doing a four-story condominium in Cleone and, you know, 32 units. So, you know, there's a lot of room to hide, <laughs> you know. Um, that being said, there's a couple people there that are they're labor ready. They're temp, temp workers, right? They bring them in to clean and pick up all the garbage around the facility there. Um, I happen to go up to the third floor, walk into a unit, and there's a gentleman sitting on one of the chairs. It's a finished unit. He's sitting down. Out of all 32 units, I go into the one he's sitting down in. Um, I grab, you know, I'm walking in with a bunch of tools. Uh, excuse me, I'm going out to the deck, and um, his doors creaked open a little bit. He stares at me, you know, as I'm standing on the ladder, and he's like, "Hey, are you guys hiring?" And I'm like, "No, this is the second time you asked me." <laughs> and he's like, "I, I could have swore I remembered asking you, but I just I wanted to throw that out there." And uh, I'm like, "No, we're not hiring." I grab my stuff and I'm getting ready to walk out. And uh, he said, and he stopped me in, in my path. He said, the Lord has me here for a purpose. And so I just automatically put my stuff down. Oh, man, this open door. You know, the Lord, is just, he's, he's directing my path today. He's guiding me. And, uh, you know, I, I don't stand there and open the word. Well, let me tell you what the word says, you know. I simply stop. I turn, and I'm like, well, you know, what's your name? And. He starts talking to me, and we're standing there for 20 minutes, you know, time flies. And uh, I didn't once open the scriptures. I didn't share the word. I simply stopped and gave him my time. And uh, he was just telling me he's from the Tri-Cities and dealing with a lot of stuff. And uh, I didn't feel too, you know, impressed to open the scriptures and share. But I simply gave him my time, and as I was walking out, he stopped me again. He's like, hey, you know, I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to me. He's like, all these people here, out of all these people here, you're the only one that I've really talked to. And I believe God has a purpose for me. And so I went over, just simply put my hand on his shoulder and prayed for him. And if we're afraid of rejection, we won't reach a lost and dying world, you know, and like I said, I'm, I'm just past the point of caring what people think, you know. Um, that brings fear, and fear is not of God, you know. The fear of rejection, he was just talking about that last night. The fear of rejection, and no one wants to be rejected, right? But that's, you know, in the book of Ezekiel, the Lord is sending the prophet Ezekiel to tell him that he's going to restore them. Chapter 2, that he's going to restore them. 
And he said, what I tell you to say, that's what you're going to say. What I tell you to do, that's what you're going to do. And don't be afraid because you're in the midst of snakes and all. You know, he just goes and tells them all these things. And he said, don't be afraid before I am with you. And we can't care what other people are going to think of us. You know, it's such a crucial world that we're living in. And everyone's hungry for the things of God. And if you don't open your mouth and speak, you're never going to know. You know, I could have just walked past that man and just, oh, I don't got time for that. But it's just taking time to listen to his story and just to hear where he's from and what he's dealing with, things he's going through, and simply give him my time. That meant a lot to him, you know. And I'm just thankful to be a part of the body for we've heard it for a time like this. And it's, it's important that we're fully committed, that we're involved, engaged. You know, a lot of people, you know, I've had people tell me it's easy for you because you go to all these Bible studies, you know, and if I'm truthful with you guys, you know, sometimes it's a lot harder for us, at least for, at least for me, I speak for me, to come to the house of God because I'm always busy, you know, and doing all these Bible studies. And sometimes you get worn out, you know, if you're doing it in your flesh. You know, and a lot of people tell me, I don't know how you do it. What's God's mercy and grace and his strength? You know, and as the Lord was talking to to Moses and he was telling him, go forth and speak. And, you know, I will tell Aaron and you go tell Aaron and he'll go and speak for you. And we make excuses sometimes, you know, I know I do. And I'm, I'm done past that. You know, I'm just going to say how it is and tell people how it is in a loving, kind way, you know, according to the word. And I'm going to point people to the scriptures. And if I have to open the Bible at work, I open the Bible at work. If the opportunity presents itself, and we must be willing, you know, and there's a hurting and dying world out there, and, you know, I, I want this word to reach my family, you know, my friends, my coworkers, and I can't be worried about what people are going to think of me or, you know, you go to church all the time, that's all you ever do, that's what this, you know, it's, it's important that we share the word, you know, it's able to save their souls, and, you know, I, I wake up, and I, the first thing on my mind is, you know, what, what can I say today that's going to bring life to somebody? You know, um, I've, given, I've had the opportunity to share a couple of things with my brother, and, uh, you know, I'm praying for him. I know that God's going to reach him, and, uh, you know, sometimes it's harder to minister to family, you know. And I'm, like I said, I'm past that. I want the Lord to use me wherever, you know, wherever I'm, I'm stationed at, you know, because I travel a lot, and I see a lot of people. I come in contact with a lot of people, but I want him to use me where I'm at, you know, and it, it's very important for this time and the season that we're in. You know, I, I'm not just trying to produce things, but I'm trying to be sensitive to the things of God, I'm trying to be sensitive to his word. You know, people need to hear the word, you know, and you'd be surprised who needs to hear the word and who will receive it. Right, I've met some people, man, it's like, man, the Lord can't reach that guy, you know, he's, that guy's something else. <laughs> but you'd be surprised. I tell you, that gentleman that I met, you'd be surprised. The least people that you think, they're reaching, they're searching, they desire what you have, what I have. Amen. Uh, can we pray? Lord, we thank you, Jesus. 
we thank you for your spirit, Father, that reaches. I pray, Father, as we go forward, that your word will minister and teach and reach this lost and dying world, Father. Set a fire in our souls to preach, Father, your word. Your word of truth, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Father, you guide us. Lead us in the name of Jesus, Father. You see the souls that are hungry for your word. Let us yield to the ministry of your spirit, Father, to walk forth according to your scriptures. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We lift you up in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. I pray the Lord give us boldness to to teach and to share. And, you know, I think we need to come to the place of not really caring what people think. You know, it's it's time. It's very crucial. You know, it'll keep us from the things of God. You know, if if I care what people think, I won't reach to that coworker. You know, um, and you don't have to say much. You'll know. You don't have to say much. A couple words here and there. By the end of the year, trust me, you'll have a full conversation with them. And it's it's amazing. It really is. I pray that, you know, that this word um, do something in you. I don't know. Every time I read the word, the last couple of weeks, man, there's been a fire in me. I, I can't explain it. You know, the Lord's stirring me, you know, and thankful to be involved in the body of Christ, you know, um, we need to be involved. We need to be committed. You know, thank you for allowing me to share the word with you guys. Amen. We thank the Lord together right now. Father, I thank you for the witness of your word. I receive it of you, Father. I receive it of you, Father. Father, the simplicity and the power of the gospel. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Brother Reuben. I have, I'm going to just take this opportunity. Since he mentioned, you heard him reference this Bible study. I know a lot of you got your hands on it, Into His Marvelous Light. The... The word of God will stand on its own. The word of God will stand on its own. However, the word of God declares, how shall they hear without a preacher? That doesn't mean like, me standing here with a microphone. It means like you opening your mouth and declaring the word of God. To preach is to declare. And so we must declare the word of God. And that element of man, I don't even know what to say. Just share the word. I was, I was telling Brother Ethan before service, just talking to him about Bible study, my wife and I were teaching a couple last night. And I said, you know, we just walked through the scriptures. 
And I was just walking him back through the scriptures, Genesis 22 and 8, Exodus 12, Exodus 14, John 1, Luke 22. So we just walked through those verses, and the presence of God began to manifest himself. And just walking from the verses, a couple of questions about something, a comment or two about it, and then on to the next verse and seeing the threat. And the scripture begins to, it's, it's what we've shared before. We must go into teaching, praying, God, I, I do, I pray this every day, God, your spirit of wisdom and revelation today. I pray grant the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 17 and 18, Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. If you're going, where does he get? I, I pray those verses. I pray. I believe it. I believe it. God has to do that. But then the word stands on its own. But we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation operating when we're sharing the word. We can't produce that. And that's where we get in trouble to Brother Ruben's point. We can't produce it. We share the word and trust the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We're not even responsible for whether people receive it or not. We want them to, and I think that's sometimes where we feel like, okay, i got to find a different way to convince them. I'm guilty of that sometimes. Trust the word. Thank you, Brother Reuben. Trust the word. So. If you don't know how simple this is, I know many of you got it. It's simple, isn't it? But you have to answer a questions. And you have to answer the questions from the word. And the word speaks for itself. So a great tool if you're needing a tool. We have about 80 of these still. Um, we're selling them at the cost that we bought them for, which is two bucks. If you're like, man, I got one. I know somebody right now I would sit down and teach with them, but I don't have two bucks. Don't let that be a barrier. Come see me. I'll give you one. Okay? But these are available, and they're great tools. And I was thrilled to hear. Uh, praise God. Amen? I want to, uh, I, I want to uh, share some things with you. I'm going to seek to be swift here. Um, I have had multiple conversations um, this week and several of them have come back to the ministry of the Holy Ghost uh, in the second service uh, as Brother Lewis ministered to us on Sunday and then the Lord ministered there as we prayed with different ones in the close and it has been this revolving conversation with, like I said, multiple people through the course of this week regarding deliverance. And so it's kept coming back, and the Lord's been talking to me about it. And so I want to take just a few minutes in Scripture and talk a little bit more about deliverance, okay? Is that all right? We're not going to exhaust the subject tonight, so if you think, oh, my goodness, Brother Reuben went, now Elder's got the microphone, and oh, my. It's not going to be that way. I don't think, but we're going to obey the Holy Ghost. Amen. We're going to obey the Holy Ghost. Amen. Pray with me again right now. Lord Jesus Christ. 
I thank you for your word, this anointed holy word that you've made available to us as common people. I pray that our minds would be anointed as has already been declared, our ears anointed as has already been declared, our spirit open. And I pray your spirit of wisdom and revelation and understanding given us tonight. Speak to us by your word. Your word gives answers. Your word gives direction. Your word gives instruction. It's profitable for these things, Lord. I pray your word be profitable to us tonight. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want you to put this verse up there first quickly. Proverbs 27 and 7 just came back to me just then. Brother Reuben made this statement about, oh, that person, right? How we can make determinations in our mind. 27 and 7, sorry. We can make determinations. I think it's 27 and 7. I know that one's not it. Yes, that one. Thank you. We can make determinations in our mind about, oh, I don't know, that person wouldn't receive. Oh, yeah, you know. But when he was saying that, I thought, this verse keeps, it's been in my spirit the last few weeks. Some of you probably heard me quote it recently because it's just been stuck in my spirit. The Lord keeps reminding me of it as I'm talking to people and reaching to people. The full soul loatheth a honeycomb. But to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. It's why sometimes, if I'm not careful, I can come to church on a Sunday or Thursday and be like, ah, you know, it was okay today, I don't know. Seemed like the elder was off a little bit or something, I'm not sure. You know, just didn't do anything for me today. I, No, I'm glad I went, but, you know. But somebody that's hurting and broken and aching can come and they're like, oh my goodness. Like it was some up. What's the difference? A full soul loatheth a honeycomb. But to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. We are in a world filled with hungry people. Our job is not to qualify them, our job is to share. So see, to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Know that as you go about your day. It reminds me of the old story. Some of you heard me share. Two men were talking about how expensive dog food was getting. One guy said, man, I quit feeding my dog dog food. I just started feeding him broccoli. The guy's like, what? Broccoli? My dog wouldn't eat broccoli if I gave it to him. The other man spoke up, said mine wouldn't either for three days. He got hungry enough. He got hungry enough. I know I made some of you people mad. Like, I can't believe he wouldn't feed his dog for three days. He got hungry enough. He'd eat broccoli. The point being, our world is full of hungry people. And God forbid that I go, oh, you know, I don't know that they'll value this precious holy word if I share it. You realize that's what I'm saying. 
No, this, remember when this word reached to you the first time? It touched a place in your heart and it began to speak to your life and answers begin to come and revelation begin to come and the word of God begin to pierce in and divide asunder the soul and the spirit and the joint and the mind. It's the same living word of God. I'm loving these two Bible studies I'm teaching right now because I'm walking back through these things again and it's as fresh. I, I was telling the family last night, I was like, I was sharing one verse, and I couldn't help myself. just started tearing up thinking about the Word of God. And I'm like, this is fresh for me again. This is new. I'm, I'm enjoying this journey. If you all aren't, I am. <laughs> I think we all were, but the precious, powerful, simplistic Word of God. Deliverance, Exodus 16. We're going to jump three places in Scripture really quickly here at first. For sake of time, we're moving fast. Exodus 16 and 3, watch this verse. This is the children of Israel. They've come out. And the children of Israel said unto them, this is to Moses and others, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. What? That's what they said. When we notice they're revealing why they're thinking that way. When we sat by the flesh pots and when we ate bread to the full. For you brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Their flesh was hungry. God had something planned for them. But all they could think about was their temporal flesh. All right. Numbers chapter 11. I'm doing my best just to keep moving. Numbers chapter 11, verse number 4. And the mixed multitude that was among them, watch, they fell a lusting. It's quite the... That's quite the, you didn't even know those words were in the Bible, did you? They fell a lusting. That's exactly, is that what it's? I'm telling you, there were Southerners right now. They fell a lusting. Sorry, it's just, you got to love Scripture. What did they do? They were lusting, they fell. Desire, their desire. Lust is a, desi- a flesh desire. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? Hunger. Verse 5. I didn't even see this thread when I read that other verse in Proverbs. Watch, watch what they said. We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely. The cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. Man, the first three I would have been, oh, go back. The first three I'd have been fine with. But leeks, onions, and garlic, what are you talking about? But there you have it. Maybe it was good altogether. I don't know. Notice, we remember what we had in Egypt. Isn't it funny how you can forget What you didn't have in Egypt? Remember those taskmasters? Remember making brick? Remember getting your... They never brought that up. Adversary is a deceiver. Okay. Joshua chapter 7. I'm moving quickly. I really want to talk more about this, but we're going to let the word speak. 
Joshua chapter 7, verse 7. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore have you at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and just dwelt on the other side, Jordan. Now, I want you to see something in these three verses, these three passages of Scripture we read here between Exodus, Numbers, and John. Because we're talking about the same group of people the whole time. These are the children of Israel that came out of Egypt. Yes? And they would to God, they were back in Egypt by the flesh pots. They were upset, the whole mixed multitude, because they had had fish and cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic, and they ate that freely in Egypt. I have a question for you. Did the Passover take place in Egypt? In the land of Egypt, right? The blood went on the doorpost from the lamb, yes. Did the Lord deliver the children of Israel from the bondage of Egypt? Raise your hand if you believe the Lord delivered the children from the bondage of Egypt. I do too. Remember we're talking about deliverance? Acts 7, verse 33. I wanted you to see the thought process of those people. Acts 7, verse 33. Stephen is preaching. He's preaching to a bunch of Jews that knew their history, but he was reminding them of their history. Then said the Lord to him, he's telling them about Moses, put off your shoes from your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Verse 34. I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people which is in Egypt. This is the voice of the Lord to Moses being reiterated by Stephen to the Jews that are listening. I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people, which is in Egypt. And I have heard their groaning. Notice, they're afflicted. They're groaning. And I've come down to deliver them. And now come, Moses, I will send you into Egypt. Verse 35. This Moses whom they refused, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? Let me pause right there for just a second. Stephen is referencing Moses when Moses killed the Egyptian and then the two Hebrew brothers, the two Hebrew children were striving with one another and Moses stepped in and said, you ought not do this and they turned and rebuked him and said, who made you a judge and a ruler over us? That's what Stephen's reminding them of. They refused him by saying, who made you a ruler and judge? Somebody hear me right now. Just because you get, man, 
Just because rejection comes from your brother doesn't mean God won't still use you to have influence in their life. You can get upset and offended and miss the calling of God when it comes later on by how you carry yourself when you're rejected. Jesus Christ was rejected. You and I better expect rejection along the journey. It's part of the process of being used in the kingdom of God. Moses was rejected by his brethren He could have said, Lord, I'm not going back to Egypt. I don't care if my rod turns into a gold stick. They rejected me when I tried to help them. Hear me. Moses knew that he had something of God calling and tugging at him. The problem was timing. Here we are again. I didn't plan on this, but here we are. It was timing, Moses. God didn't send, not notice, let's finish reading this verse. Keep this verse up there, please. Who made you a ruler and a judge? The same did God send 40 years later to be a ruler and a, a what? Aha. A deliverer by the hand of the angel. This is so important for so many right now. Lord Jesus Christ, help us to hear. Help us to hear. I ask it of you, holy God. Help us to hear. In Jesus' name. Watch. Here's the difference in timing and God working in your life. This is why you need a wilderness in your life. Moses had to go to the wilderness because when Moses stepped into his brethren, they saw him and noticed their statement revealed how they perceived his dealing with them. Who made you a ruler and a judge? Moses had to go to the wilderness to realize he made me a ruler but not a judge. He made me to be a ruler and a deliverer. And if you and I miss the timing of God, we can confuse the calling or the purpose of the calling of God. Moses' purpose primarily was not to judge, it was to deliver. But when he operated that first day 40 years before, He was operating from a a place of judgment. He definitely recognized there was calling on his life. That's really not what I want to talk about. So God sent you to be a ruler and a deliverer. Verse 36. He brought them out. That sounds like deliverance, doesn't it? He brought them out after that. So if you raised your hand, you were right. He brought them out after he had showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. He brought them out. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. When Brother Reuben said 1 Corinthians, I thought, man, I'm not even going to have to teach it all. 
Not that I have to, but I feel compelled. 1 Corinthians 10. I'm reading quickly, starting there with verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant or uninformed or unaware how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church about Moses and the children of Israel coming out of Egypt under the pillar of cloud, passing through the Red Sea, verse 2, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Verse 5, But with many of them... God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now watch verse 6. Please notice special attention to verse 6. These things were our examples. Everybody say, our examples. These things were our examples. Exodus 16, Numbers 11, Joshua 7 that we just read. Those things were our examples. Why? To the intent We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. We should not fall a-lusting. Amen? They were our examples. It's sort of funny, but that's going to be stuck in my head now. Good. That's a good thing to get stuck in your head. Don't fall a-lusting. As they also lusted. Verse 7. Neither be idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither, verse 8, let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. You wonder what God thinks about fornication. He killed twenty-three thousand of his chosen people in one day over it. Verse 9. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyed. Man, this is bleak. This was for our examples to the intent that we should not. Verse 11, just in case we forgot. Verse number 6. Now, all these things happened unto them for examples or examples. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. In other words, this is going to be an important thing when the end of the world is come. It's written for our admonition. Examples. Talking about deliverance still. Stay with me. Verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. We quote that verse often, but it can be taken out of context. But recognize. Wherefore, he that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. Verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Everybody say that with me. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved... 
flee from idolatry. All right. Deliverance. Deliverance. I'm going to ask you the question again. Did God deliver the children of Israel from the bondage of Egypt? Okay, we're in agreement. See, here's the thing about deliverance. When God gives deliverance, He breaks spiritual bondage. You with me? So we can pray for God to deliver you. And God can do a work. I believe God did a work here Sunday when we begin to pray for people. I believe that with every fiber of my being because of the witness of the Holy Ghost that I felt. I know what I know the witness of the word of God I felt when Brother Lewis spoke it almost it wasn't in passing, but it wasn't the whole crux of the ministry that the Lord did. But I know what pierced my spirit when he said it. And I know what the Holy Ghost did when I know the people he illuminated. I know, and so I have faith, therefore, that God did the work as all of you and the different ones laid hands on others and prayed the prayer of faith that God would deliver. What does that mean? He would break the spiritual bondage that holds men or women captive. But here's the thing. In our humanity, when we say, I need deliverance, here's what we say. I want you to get me out of Egypt. I don't want, I mean, that means I would never think about Egypt again. That means I would have no desire for Egypt. That means the temptation of Egypt would no longer affect my life. That means, no, that's not what deliverance means. Deliverance means he breaks the spiritual bondage, and then I determine I will not go back to Egypt. Brother Lewis shared his story. That's the only reason I'm going to share it again. He shared his story of God delivering him from drugs. And then all of a sudden, people want to just give him drugs, even though he, before he had to pay for them. But now they're just, just, and he's like, no, why would I do this? I've been delivered from that. The temptation came again. Deliverance does not mean you're never tempted again. That's a deception of the adversary so that you'll not have faith that God delivered you. Does that make sense? I'm using this example from Scripture because we all firmly agreed wholeheartedly agreed and see and recognize God truly delivered them from Egypt. But they still desired Egypt. They still wanted the food of Egypt. They would to God. They were back in Egypt. They were, and then they get a little further, and then he takes them over the Jordan and give you some context. This was right after the walls of Jericho fell. God wrought a great victory at the walls of Jericho. But then something goes a little sideways. Something's not quite right. Something happened they didn't plan for. A difficulty because of a sin that they had. Difficulty happens. And notice they're not like, oh God, I want to be repentant. Forgive me, you brought us so far. Notice, we should have been content to stay on the other side of Jordan. What? And let's not be too tough on them. They're as human as we are. But it reveals these things were written for our examples. They were written for our admonition. 
God's delivered you from some things. But you have to recognize with deliverance there comes responsibility. And it doesn't mean the road is now simple without trouble, without pressure, without temptation, without any luck. You're still going to fall a lusting. I'm going to keep using that because I think that's going to stick in our head for a reminder. That's what happened. That's exactly what happened. They gave in to that which they had been delivered from. That does not mean God did not deliver them. Don't believe that lie of the devil. They gave in. Let no man say when he was tempted, James. James chapter 2, I think. I need some of you Bible scholars to set me straight. Save me looking this up. Um, James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Whoa, 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 hold on. Any of you dealing with... Don't raise your hand. I know the answer because we're all human. If you're human, you're going to deal with temptation. Anybody, any... I don't care if you raise your hand. Anybody deal with temptation? Look around. Yeah, you're not alone. See, because that's what the devil says. Nobody else. They're so, they're so holy and consecrated to God. They, I bet they don't deal with temptation. Yes, we do. See, the adversary. Hear me. Everybody deals with temptation. But the adversary causes us to think, something's wrong with you if you deal with temptation. That means you haven't been delivered. Ah, oh, see, you're, 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 you're pitiful. How come you're tempted by that? I'll tell you why. Because you're human. Well, I'll know I'm delivered when I'm not tempted anymore. Well, guess what? You have a wrong definition of deliverance. You have a wrong definition. Deliverance doesn't mean you're no longer. How many of you, how many of you, you know, you've been tempted and you're like, oh, man, I'm so blessed. I'm tempted. You know what makes you blessed? Not being tempted. Enduring. Enduring. Blessed is the man that endures. Temptation. No temptation. There's nothing to endure. Nothing to endure. No blessing. Why? For when he has tried, when he is tried, that next line, that's like shouting stuff right there. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Next verse. I've got to hurry. Let no man. This is what I was trying to quote. See, you got in trouble because nobody could quote it. And now we're here. Let no man say, by the way, when it says man, it means mankind. So, ladies, this isn't excluding any of you. 
Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. No. For God cannot be tempted with evil, evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man, next verse, when he is tempted, or woman, when he is drawn away, every man is tempted, how? When he is drawn away of his own what? Fellow lusting. You see a pattern, don't you? Fleshly desires, right? Three things it always falls into, all right? Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh. That doesn't mean like lusting after flesh. It means the lust of my flesh and the pride of life. Every man, not just some, every. This is telling us how temptation works. When he's drawn away of whose lust? His own. His own. I'm just going to tell you. And I'm not saying this arrogantly or with pride. This is just a reality. Satan has never tempted me with marijuana, cocaine, or heroin. Never. Why? No desire. No lust. No interest. I, never tempted me with tobacco. I picked tobacco one summer. You picked tobacco summer. You wouldn't be lusted, tempted with tobacco either. My arms were, my arms were black at the end of every day. I could like fruit roll-ups. I peeled the black tar off of my arms. True story. Every day after picking tobacco, I peeled the tar off my arm. And you're going to try to get me to put that stuff in my mouth or breathe it into my lungs. I was never tempted. So I was never drawn away or tempted by that. You say, well, that's not fair. It's not fair that I'm tempted by things you're not tempted by then. No, every man or woman is tempted, drawn away by his own lusts. You say, well, my battle's harder. No, it's not. Your battle's different because your lusts and desires are different. And so the adversary tempts you with your desires. All right. I'm not tempted to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I've told you that already. Right? I'll just be transparent. You know where the enemy would tempt me? Business. Business. The art of the deal. Turning a profit. Now, don't think bad of me. I can let you come and share yours. So I have to be aware of that. And guess what? Most of us, it's no secret what we're tempted by. So if you know, then you can begin to work accordingly and recognize, you know what? I know this is. Now, here's what I know. I know when I made a decision 26 years ago almost and I walked away from Walmart. I know God delivered me from that spiritual bondage that it had on my life. Now, it doesn't mean I never dealt with the temptation anymore. And that I still don't deal with the temptation at times. 
and I can find myself fall into a little trap like it's getting too much of my time and my energy. I got to just cut that off. And that's not easy to do, is it? Especially if you see you're getting ready to turn a profit. In my situation, right? It's different for every one of us. And I could stand here, and here's the thing. I could stand here, and if you gave me time, I could probably justify my lusts. Yeah? Well, I, you know, if I turn a profit, Lord, I am going to tithe on it. And I, I'm just giving you an example. No. I have to know my lusts. And I have to submit them. So I know the Lord delivered me from that spiritual bondage. It broke. I felt, some of you heard me tell this story, that day when I walked out of Walmart, my last day there, and I stepped across, out the front doors, and they have those little concrete pillars, you know, they call them bollards. I'm telling you, the Lord is my witness. When I stepped past those bollards, it felt about like a 70 or 80-pound backpack got lifted off my shoulder. Physically, I felt it happen. It caught me by surprise when it happened because I did not realize it was there. I had become accustomed to my bondage. But I knew. That's why when I was going through a very dark wilderness, not knowing where the next meal was coming from, and I get a call from one of the regional directors over a hundred stores saying, hey, if you'd like to come back, we got a place for you. Do you know how tempting that was? When I can't even put groceries on the table for my family, and he's offering me six digits? This is too real. I couldn't go back. I knew I couldn't go. Did I want to? Absolutely, I wanted to. I had all kinds of thoughts. He said, take a week. I wish you just said, tell me right now. Or I wrestled through. I could do it for one year. I could go back one year. That would fix this. I, this is what our humanity does. We rationalize. But I knew I can't go back. God delivered me. But the temptation was still there. Are you seeing this in this? Talking about deliverance. We need a proper understanding of what it means to be delivered. It doesn't mean you don't have the temptation anymore. It doesn't mean you don't necessarily have the desire anymore. It just means I recognize God broke that bondage from my life. I will not go back. Because I remember the bondage of Egypt. I don't even know what verse we're in. Oh, we were in James. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Stand with me as we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. First Corinthians 10 and 13, I want you to see this. We walked through all those examples. We all agree 
God delivered them from Egypt. And then we see this verse. We were talking about temptation. Temptation came for them after deliverance. When you're in bondage, you're not tempted. You're giving into it all the time. That's why you're in bondage. I'm going to say that again. When you're in bondage, you're not tempted. You're giving into it all the time. That's why you're in bondage. But when God does a supernatural work and delivers you, He breaks that spiritual bond from your life. You still have to make a decision. What are you going to do when temptation comes? What are you going to do when you walk into the wilderness? See, Israel, when they left Egypt, I'm sure they did not think we're going to be out in the middle of wilderness eating manna. They had their own idea about what deliverance looked like. But the Lord got them out of Egypt, and then he had to get Egypt out of them before he could give them the fullness of his promise. And that's exactly what happens with you and I. He takes us out of Egypt. We repent. We're buried in his name. He's broken spiritual bondage on our life. And then we go into a wilderness place. What's he doing? Punishing me? No. He's getting Egypt out of me. My desires change. My appetite changes. I learn to deny myself. Daily, take up your cross and follow him. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. What does that mean? I'll tell you exactly what it means. It means quit feeling sorry for yourself. You're not dealing with something nobody else has ever dealt with. Sorry, he's just on the front. I'm not picking on Brother Martin. Right? Quit feeling sorry for yourself and saying, Woe is me, this temptation. You just don't know. I may not. But you're not the only one. That's not making light of it. What is it doing? The word of God is destroying the deception of the adversary because that's what the adversary says. It's just you. Nobody but you. This is a problem for you and you, nobody will understand you. No, they may not, but God knows. And what you're dealing with is not uncommon. It's common to men. No temptation has taken you, but such as is common to men. Why is it common? See, because we talk about the symptom, but it's always coming back to the same. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. It's common to man. But God is faithful. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you. This is the verse that gets taken out of context right here. Who will not suffer you to be tempted Above that, you are able. People take that part of the verse and they say, God will never put on you more than you can bear. That's not true. That's not what this verse says. He will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that you are able. Able to what? But will with the temptation, what will he do? He'll do what? 
so he'll not tempt you above what you are able, above what you are able to what? Escape. In other words, God will never allow temptation to come to you that there's no way to get away from. He'll never let it corner you again. When you were in bondage in Egypt, you couldn't escape. It took a supernatural work of a loving God who shed his blood for you and I to be able to escape the bondage of sin. But once we accepted that sacrifice in repentance and let that blood be applied to our life and went through the waters of baptism, it broke the bondage of Egypt. And you may be tempted again, but because he's broken the bondage, he'll never allow you to be cornered like you were in Egypt again to where there's no way out. But with every temptation, he will make a way of escape. Why? So that you'll never be tempted again. Nope. Just simply so you'll be able to bear it. Why would he do that? Why wouldn't he just like take the temptation away? Because then you would think, I've got this. I can do this on my own now. No, you can't. No, I can't. is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. But in him. Thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. What do you got to do? When temptation comes, flee. Flee. Look for the way of escape. What's my way of escape? I don't know. But whatever it is, find it. Get it. Run to it. Go, don't look back. Take the way of escape. Amen. We need a better understanding of what deliverance is. Would you talk to the Lord with me, please?